You're listening to Music Tectonics. Welcome back to Music Tectonics, where we go beneath the surface of music and tech. I'm your host, Dimitri Vitsa, and I'm also the CEO and founder of Rock, Paper, Scissors. We are a PR firm that specializes in music and technology, the combination, the overlaps, the Zen, di- the Zen diagram, the Venn diagram, the Zen diagram, <laughs> both of them. You, you should trademark that. <laughs> I like Zen it. Zen diagrams. Oh, this, you can tell this one's going to be a good interview because I've already got the laughter of Kurt DeBeek here with me. Hey, Kurt, how's it going? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Yeah, great to have you too. Kurt is the CEO and CTO of SyncFloor. I've had the uh, privilege of of working with him uh, in the rock, paper, scissors side of things, but we haven't had you on the podcast yet, so I'm so excited to to dive in. I'm in. I'm in. And you do a podcast as well, which we can talk about uh, in here as well. um, Yes, yes. SyncLove is something that we're, we're doing with the the first podcast season is, is going to show up in the next couple of months here. And uh, we all, we actually have a editorial site that's out now at syncclub.com. Awesome. Well, we, we, you know, I don't even know if I plan to ask you about that, but let's talk about that. But first let's get people started. If they haven't heard of SyncFloor, what is SyncFloor? Sure. Of course. Um, so SyncFloor is essentially two things. Uh, you know, first and foremost, it's a, a marketplace of commercial music uh, available for, use in productions of all kinds, advertising, film, TV, video games, podcasts, etc. Um, and, and we've built uh, this, this marketplace around uh, a technological concept called natural language music search. And so we make this really fun, intuitive discovery available for people coming in to find music. And then we make it really hassle-free for them to license the music because we focus on the rights being really fully controlled with our partners such that, um, you know, sort of, the end-to-end purchase feels more retail-like, and so so that's that's the the sort of core thing that that we built. Um, in addition, and and you'll find you'll find that essentially if you go to syncfloor.com or songsforpodcasters.com, um, those are sort of expressions of that particular marketplace that we we've done. Secondly, uh, Syncfloor is a platform, and and in particular, a platform to allow uh, websites, um, services, and applications to connect into. Uh, great music for use in their scenarios. And that's something that we're seeing more and more of uh, in today's world. So from fitness to podcasting to gaming, um, all uh, to programmatic advertising, there are all these different scenarios where people are wanting to, to get access to a corpus of great music in a way that fits their needs, uh, both technically and economically in terms of integration. And, and so we are prov- providing a platform to do that. The first instance of that platform is what we've enabled for our partners so that they can actually expose storefronts for their catalogs. And they, we call those things sync stores. And, uh, you know, sync stores are, in some sense, you can think of it as, as, as very akin to Shopify. Um, uh, in terms of what we provide for our partners there. But we continue to extend the platform so that people can use it in all sorts of use cases. Okay, so let me see if I've got this right. <laughs> if I want to license music for something like like a video, for example, maybe I'm a small business and I'm doing a commercial, or maybe I'm a music supervisor at a major at a, at a major studio or, or something like mm-hmm. that, I can go to, to SyncFloor and I can do some searches right. and find That's some right. stuff. Or if you're a podcaster like Dimitri, you can, you can go find right. music there. Right, yes. So that's one. Two, 
you have this ability for other people who are building platforms of their own. Uh, you mentioned fitness, maybe other types of apps. You said um, um, programmatically mm -hmm. created advertising, uh, marketplaces, video makers, things like that. They can actually plug in, is it through an API to get access to the same catalog? That's right. So, so, so where we where we started with that is that we we first said, oh well, what if we could take the same stuff that we use to build SyncFloor.com and SongsForPodcasters.com, those marketplaces that people come in a turnkey fashion to find music to license? What if we could actually expose that such that our partners can actually say that, hey, if you come to my website and you're browsing my music, you can go to a sync store and actually search for the stuff in my catalog. That's kind of how it started. From there, we actually then extended it so that if you're browsing and you're looking at an artist page, you can directly go to commerce for music licensing for an artist. And then we extended so you could do that for a song so that actually in some of our partner sites, like you're literally on a page with a song and there's like a little license button, kind of like a PayPal button. And that goes straight into commerce for music on that song on our site. And so we said, okay, what if we could really kind of extend the platform so people had, could have lots of deep levels of integration into music licensing commerce? And then once we started doing that, we found that on the other side, uh, clients, and so fitness is a great example, started coming to us and saying, hey, you know, I'm a boutique fitness service. And I'm trying to create a great video on demand library of classes for my clients, for my subscribers. Where do I get easy access to a great corpus of commercial music that's high quality and, and that the terms are set up such that I can, I can really, you know, make that work for me in terms of what I'm trying to do. Um, and that's where we started saying, well, wow, we can continue to extend this platform such that people can use that both in a no code turnkey fashion, as well as if you wanted to deeply integrate it into a mobile app a la Clubhouse that and adding music to that, for instance. And so that's that's sort of something we're leaning into now as well. Got it. Okay. So it's almost like, I see it almost as three different pieces, like a, a self-service website, a Shopify-like experience for existing catalogs that you're already doing deals with, and this integration opportunity with um, with, with other apps and platforms that just want you to got it. Cool. You got it. Gotcha. Um, well, I was going to ask you how SyncFloor differs from other web portals that do sync you mentioned some of them right there give me a minute before we get into the natural language processing because i i do want to dig into that but let's not sure. go there quite yet it seems your focus is on commercial music not production libraries that's another difference that's and right. on independent music not major label content that's right that's let right. me ask you i've got some guesses but why those two <laughs> why we did that the, those yeah two of course of course well you know where we saw the opportunity so so maybe to to take a quick step back you know, I came at, at you know, founding with my co-founder, Sejan McFarland, um, Singfloor, uh, based on, on my own experience having a small independent music label in Seattle uh, called Brick Lane Records. And, uh, you know, coming out of that, what we saw was this, this gap in the market where, you know, the, the use, use cases for music are just exploding. Right. Like there, there are lots and lots of places where people want to integrate the use of music, both in traditional media sense, as well as new entrants in terms of, you know, small businesses and independents doing podcasting or uh, startups doing games or or what have you lots and lots of people were like hey i want to i want to go find some music to use and as it turns out the independent music sector has the most beautiful diverse you know corpus of music that that i could imagine for for use in this but it's a very difficult um you know sort of ecosystem to navigate because it's very fragmented so if you sit there and you think okay well where do i find that great music you could go to the you know thousands tens of thousands of possible you know even at the label publisher level right? Uh, in terms of these small independents. And then of course it, go, it expands even more if you think about artists. And so, you know, there it was like, how do we help people 
navigate that ecosystem. And so that's where we thought about this idea of aggregation, aggregation of commercial music. And then the other part was that rights around music is very complex. So a lot of times when people go to production music libraries, they're going there because the price is at a certain point, but also that they don't have to think about all of the other aspects of, you know, the rights that they have to get and are they getting all the rights for stuff and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But usually they think, okay, what I have to compromise is in terms of, you know, quality and diversity of the music I'm going to use and how well it will lift my narrative. And we said, you don't have to make that compromise, right? Commercial independent music, if we could, if we do our jobs right, we've aggregated and curated the best stuff for you to come and in an intuitive, fun way, find the music you want and in a really simple, straightforward, hassle-free way, license it. And so that's where we saw, saw the gap. That gap isn't there for major labor music. In fact, with major labor music, it's almost a different kind of thing, right? It's that the price points are, are not where they want it to be and the rights regime is super complex. And so so people, you know, tend to be like, hey, you know what, I'm not even going to try to worry about that unless I'm, you know, a major studio willing to deal with, you know, for instance, that type of thing. I have a question for you. Maybe this is stupid. Look, I know a little bit about sync just from being in the business for a while. And I understand that there's two sides to the license you need there because obviously you need the recorded side and you need the publishing side. Um, the song, the songwriters and the rights holders and administration on the writing of the song, the, the writing of the composition, the lyrics and so forth. But then also you're using somebody else's recording of that. And so that's the, the, the label side or the master side. So I understand that that's part of what you're talking about is it's hard to navigate. Yeah, that yeah. song by song what if one says yes and one says no or one wants this money mm -hmm. and one wants that mm -hmm. money it's complicated so you've set up the mm -hmm. system where all that stuff is pre-cleared for the use of video in sync but now you're talking about podcasting too i don't know what the license of podcasting looks like is it the same as sync and then what about these other use cases do you have to renegotiate those pre-cleared licenses for those different types of uses as well Right. So, so the, the way, the way to think about it isn't so much from the perspective of pre-cleared, I think is maybe the first thing that I'd say is that, so you're exactly right that, um, you know, the music, part of the complexity there is that there are these two sides, the recorded side and the, the composition side. Um, and then it gets even more complex because usually, you know, especially on the composition side, there are multiple writers involved. And if there are multiple writers involved, there are potentially multiple entities that are representing those writers involved. So Fun you stuff. can very quickly, yeah, you can very quickly go from, you know, okay, I'm looking at a song to I'm negotiating with three or five or however many, you know, ent business entities that have some rights in that song. And that's where a lot of the complexity lies. And so what we've done is we've said, we're going to curate not only the best quality independent music from the world's best labels and publishers into our marketplace, but we're going to make sure that the portions of catalogs that we bring in from those are what are called one-stop catalogs. And so what that is, is that each partner for the songs in the catalog that are represented in SyncFloor, they own all of the rights, both sides, right? So you're really only talking to one person. And the analogy I tend to give is that Imagine if you went to Airbnb and you found a place that you liked and you said, hey, host, I'm ready to book this place. And they were like, hey, that's cool. Let me go talk to the building super and my roommates and my mom and the guy down the street at the well, pub. What about the architect? You got to talk to the architect. Right. And so you get, you get it. That's, that's what you get when you're dealing with this sort of multiple rights thing, right? Multi, what's called multi-stop. Um, whereas what we've done is, is we have one stop. So you're just talking to the host and you, you know, you kind of do your deal there. And so we provide that framework so that it's hassle-free and straightforward. 
Got it. Great. All right. You mentioned a little bit about your background on a record label, but I stalked you on LinkedIn. Uh-oh. <laughs> um, and I looked at, you were at Microsoft for 20, was, yeah. 20 some years. It looks like years, you, yeah. you got promoted every year. There's like a different title <laughs> each of those years practically. How did you- I did a lot of, did a lot of stuff. Yeah. How did you go from working at Microsoft for 20 some years, starting as a software engineer to getting into music tech and sync and what you're doing sure. now? Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I started started at Microsoft and as a software engineer, and um, and over time, you know, sort of did you know software architecture for large systems and you know general management of large engineering teams, and um, you know when when I first got there, actually, one of my first uh, projects that I spent a lot of time on was on was on multimedia, and so so very early on, I I you know I got got into the multimedia game. It was I worked on some operating system stuff for a while, and then got into multimedia and, and worked on that for quite quite some time. And, um, and so I really always had this, you know, real passion around, you know, sort of multimedia and technology and how those things came together. And of course, a passion around music. And, um, and then, you know, sort of in sort of 20, uh, in the, yeah, so I would say 20, call it 2010-ish timeframe. By then I had, you know, Seattle, which is where, where we're based, has this amazing community of, of artists and, and musicians. And, and, and I had connected with a lot of them in various ways, partly because I was, you know, making music and, and, you know, and, and so on. And uh, I remember distinctly, like around that time, as I was thinking about what sort of the next thing, you know, I was going to go do was, you know, um, I was winding down some major projects and, um, and I had, you know, kind of thought to myself, wow, I've watched this disruption happen um, in music multiple times. And each time the independent music ecosystem is the one that's really, you know, hard hit by it um, and tries to figure out sort of how to find new niches and things like that. And I was like, how can, how can I potentially help, you know, with respect to these people that I care about? Um, and so that's what led me to start, you know, the music label. Um, and so I left my, you know, full-time, you know, job at Microsoft and said, okay, I'm going to go start a mu- an independent music label. Um, that's I'm Brick try Lane to- Records, right? Brick Lane Records, that's mm-hmm. right. And I'm going to build... Brickling around a set of principles in terms of how we um, negotiated deals with artists that were really, especially at the time, very, very artists leaning and artist artist friendly. So, you know, we were like, it's always artist majority splits, um, no lock in in terms of uh, projects and stuff like that. It's always one project at a time. Um, we said that the artists always see revenue immediately. So there's no recoup type thing. You see revenue immediately. This is an investment, not a loan. Right. And so those principles, which, you know, you know, nowadays people are starting to really rally around those things in terms of trying to be artists forward and artist friendly. But at the time, it was very, very different. And in fact, I remember negotiating with the, the, the management and legal team for one of the artists we signed. And they literally asked us, they were like, so are you guys a nonprofit? Because, you know, they have really friendly terms. And we're like, we just think they, they, they should be that friendly you know, kind of thing. And so so you really get a sense for like, OK, well, this was this was a bit of a different way of thinking about it. Mm. And that's where I, you know, sort of learned the music business and really learned the the gaps that were there, especially in terms of providing and getting opportunities for for independence. And um, as such, how we could maybe take music and technology and put them together to do something great. Gotcha. Makes a lot of sense. Cool. We're going to take a quick break for an announcement. And when we come back, Kurt, I'm going to ask you a little bit about what you've seen since that time with the label, how licensing for music, film, video has changed in the time since you've been involved. We'll be right back. 
Let's meet up next Tuesday. We host Together Tuesdays, a virtual meetup in the Music Tectonics community app, the social network for music tech. Starting at 2 p.m. Eastern, that's 11 a.m. Pacific or 7 p.m. in the UK, join the Music Tectonics team in the app. Post, comment, share links, and use the tag Together Tuesday to get involved. Ask each other questions, discuss recent podcast episodes, or share the music tech and music biz news of the week. And if you're a member of Clubhouse, I'll be there at the same time for an audio-only music tech chat. In our app, look for the hashtag TogetherTuesday and use it in your posts and comments. Every month, we will feature our favorite interactions on the podcast. If you're not on the Music Tectonics community app yet, I'll tell you how to join in at the end of this episode. All right, we are back with Kurt DeBeek from SyncFloor, the CEO and CTO out of Seattle. Um, and we were going to ask you, how has licensing music for film and video changed in the time that you've been involved with music? Sure. Uh, you know... So, you know, first and foremost, I'd say that, you know, the you're taking it out of, you know, film and TV, let's say traditional things. What the first thing we've seen is that, you know, where people want to use music is has has completely expanded. And so I talked about the fact that we're seeing all these new verticals wanting to integrate music in really interesting ways. And and what we talk about is this use music everywhere thing. Right. Because we think music is an amazing thing for lifting narratives of all kinds. Right. And lift and creating uh, an environment that's better for entertainment or, or fitness or what have you. Right. And so 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 that's, I think, one of the big things we've seen is just this expansion of the use cases. Um, in addition, we see um, new entrants in terms of the the um, the characters in the play, if you want to call it that, right? So, so you know, it used to be that you're a production professional, and that's who is doing, you know, sort of dealing with finding music and licensing music for for some kind of film or TV thing. But really now, right, you find you know Dimitri, the independent podcaster. Who's you know going to be looking for music? Um, you find uh, the startup uh, you know program manager or product manager who's going to be trying to figure out how to get music for for their you know um, application. Um, you you find the fitness trainer who is also the person who's doing the editing for the classes for the new boutique fitness startup, right? You you have um, the freelance you know uh, uh, producer. Right, who's trying to help lots of different production companies, large and small, find ways to actually do shorts or do ads or do content marketing. Right, content marketing has become this huge thing, right? And content marketing are like little stories that also help lift your brand. And so the more more people that get involved in that, including small businesses, I uh, recently we had a podcast license for somebody who was the principal at a psychological services small business right who is looking for music to put into their podcast because that podcast was part of their content marketing story for their business right mm -hmm. and so you're getting all these different kinds of people who are coming into it and therefore they don't have the language right and the 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 tools or the understanding of all the complexity that it has to that you know licensing music for a production you know needs and or the legal budget or the, or the legal budget. So so they need these really simple, straightforward solutions for finding the music and licensing the music. And so right. that's that's exactly where we are. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, I'm curious, do you have any direct experience in film and video as well? Because I know you mentioned the label and, and that pathway and the technology. Yeah. The third, I guess the third leg of this tool would be moving moving yeah. picture, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, and, you know, my, my experience there primarily has come through the label because, we, you know, with the artists that we had, we funded... Um, you know, uh, uh, music videos of all kinds, right? Ones that felt like little shorts and were really complex and, and multi-day affair, affairs and um, ones that were, you know, really simple or or we've done ones that are, you know, sort of uh, uh, animated 
uh, things, et cetera, et cetera. And so, so what, you know, what we found ourselves, you know, sort of learning, you know, over time is the ins and outs of what it means to create a production and manage a production end to end. And that has really given me a ton of empathy for the work that, you know, producers and editors and music supervisors and, you know, people of all kinds, directors, creative directors, et cetera, all have to do and deal with, um, when they make stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so we've talked a little bit about some of the emerging use cases for music licensing. Are there any others we should touch on uh, before we dive into this whole idea of natural language search, which I'm so excited to talk to you about? But is, is there anything else that's like bubbling up that you're seeing new use cases for, for music licensing? Yes. Well, so, you know, so like, you know, we, we talked a, a bit about, you know, things like fitness and, and things like podcasting and so on, which are sort of new non-traditional things. Um, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're also seeing some interesting, you know, motion is in, in terms of tools. Like we think, you know, uh, and you know, the first example I give is with respect to podcasting. So there's having turnkey solutions for people to actually go find music for their podcast. But mm-hmm. as you, you know, probably, you know, well know, you know, the, the, the evolving landscape for podcasting is starting to lean heavily on tools for making it easy for people oh, to create, really edit, and produce their podcasts. Yeah. And, and that's what you need when things start to explode in terms of who, again, the characters in the play are, right? People of all different levels of experience wanting to do this. Um, a great example is something like Descript, right? Like being making it really easy for people to kind of bring the stuff in and edit it so that it feels clean and sharp and things like that. And so what we're saying is that, hey, boy, if you're going to be in some kind of canvas or edit, editing environment for doing this, wouldn't it be great for there to be a programmatic way for those tools to incorporate access to music? Um, and so that's that's a that's another you know interesting example. Oh, I mean, yeah. Now that I'm making a podcast, I'm totally looking at all those tools. We use a couple different things for production, but also. Um, on the marketing side, you know, with right. the, with the, the headliner videos or wave, mm-hmm. things like that, little apps right. that make those well, videos. That, well, that's, well, that's the cool thing, right? You know, I mean, most people, uh, you know, and still think about podcasts as this audio thing, right? But podcasts are essentially moving towards, you know, uh, being audiovisual, mm. right? And, and so as you get that, they're actually becoming, you know, little shows and getting more, more complex productions. And so you, again, have another place where you have to think differently about um, you know how you how you bring music in. Um, an, another interesting use case you know is also looking at all what's happening across social. So social you know you know Clubhouse is a is a great example. So if you if you take something like Clubhouse and inevitably all the Clubhouse clones that you're going to see over the next any few minute years, <laughs> exactly right you know the you know you you go from something where you have a lot of momentum around people sort of ad hoc coming together in rooms and then the people start to actually make those into events and then people start to um, record those events so that people can kind of see them later people start to want to actually create time shifting around those events so imagine if you could DVR what's happening in a room so you could come at it from right so like all those things like start to you say okay well now what happens when somebody wants to have music in one of those rooms? And therefore you have music that's also recorded in one of those rooms. And, and it, it, start, it starts to bring in all the same stuff. We, we tell people like, look at what happened with Twitch, right? In that, you know, sort of Twitch has to deal with all of the backlash that came from not having that full story realized around what their customers wanted to do, i.e., you know, have a live thing and then have it recorded and then put it on YouTube, right? And having the access to music be really simple because music was an important part of that. And so so that's the, you know, we're saying that, hey, as you start to look at all of those use cases, you know, up front, 
look for the the platforms that provide you with a great way to integrate music and, and we're one of them. Kurt, it's kind of interesting because if you look at the digital uh, history and narrative of the music industry, you go, you know, obviously downloads and then streaming. So you've got this music streaming and it took quite a, quite a while for that to turn into a business model that was effective right. even for the creators of the music. I mean, you're still wondering about profitability on the music streaming services versus sure. being a loss leader for hardware, advertising, eyeballs, all, all that kind of stuff, right? But um, it's now to the point where it's replacing quite a bit of the revenue that was lost when physical started to decline. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then at, you had this moment in between where sync, like traditional sync for film TV commercials, kind of started to fill in. And there was a lot of focus. People kind of shifted their focus from selling commercial recordings to doing synchronization for film mm-hmm. and TV and commercial mm-hmm. because, it, hey, there were millions of dollars there all of a sudden. And, and there's kind of an interesting side sidebar story about, you know, the Netflix, Hulu's, HBO Max, Disney's mm-hmm. of the world. They have so much more content that they're creating because That's people right. are binging and watching so That's much right. video right. content with so more opportunity for licensing right but at the same time there's this emergence of music use in social media sharing and all of a sudden you know there was some tensions just like the tensions there were with streaming services <laughs> and right. and and so forth there, then there were these tensions around social media and you started to see the facebook's and the instagram's starting to do licensing the youtube's trying to figure out their content id system and the monetization mm-hmm. sharing the revenue sharing all that kind of stuff right. um and so it's kind of interesting to think about sync played this little parallel world role but now it's like with all the social sharing and the user generated video stuff it's like a whole other huge bucket of possibility that you're talking about that's right yeah and, and in some sense it's music it's music licensing writ large Right. And, and, you know, I think, I think really what we're seeing as an opportunity is to step back and think, okay, look, you can't, you can't even uh, predict all of the new interesting ways people want to combine music with scenarios. Right. But all of it means that in some sense, they want to be able to, and most businesses want to be able to have that stuff covered under clear terms and clear licensing right and in some ways some of them want it to be you know sort of real-time and programmatic so that the experience that they're delivering is one that feels really seamless and organic and things like that and and there's really a, a dearth of of available platforms for allowing that to happen and that's where we need to go next with respect to to music licensing um even if you go back to to stuff, stuff that's semi-traditional there the you know what's really been happening is that you went from people doing, let's say, advertising in ways that were, you know, big budget, complex productions um, and a certain number of them. And that was certainly attractive to now, you know, the content that's being created that, you know, is is essentially advertising, i.e. content marketing. There's tons and tons and tons of that stuff just being made. Right. And so you have even whether it's a big company or a small company looking to license stuff, you know, lots of a larger volume of stuff at a different price point because they're just churning out lots of content. It's the way to stay relevant is to have interesting content there. And of course, music is all about making your content interesting, all about lifting the narrative in there. So yeah, cool. Yeah. Lots of opportunity. Lots of opportunity. (laughs) So there's this other piece of sync floor that we haven't really gotten into yet, which I'm really excited Uh to talk to you about. Um, I want you to tell me more about the natural language search function that's behind sync floor. Why did you go that route? How does that change the experience for someone who's looking for music? What are we talking about here? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you know, so it 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 came from you know as again from that experience with the label. So you know, we were trying to to figure out how we attached to 
interesting synchronization opportunities and were represented by a couple of different, you know, sort of sync agencies and so on. And, you know, what we, what we found is as at the back end of that, we would see sort of these, these, these briefs that would come across, right? So essentially the way the process worked, right, and still does work to a large degree, right, is people would, you know, sort of send a paragraph creatively describing what it is that they, they wanted to have the music represent or do or lift, right? And, and that, 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 you know, sort of paragraph of sentiment and references and things like that, because people would include artistic references or song references and things like that in those, those briefs, right? That's what somebody then at the other end would have to interpret and try to figure out by digging through their own crates of music, what might match that, right? And, and it's really looking at that where we said, well, you know what, we're, we're, we're not going to replace you know, the human element here, because the human element is important in terms of the final overall interpretation of if this thing is going to be right when li lined up against picture. But what we can do is make digging through the crates much more fun, much more intuitive, much more productive. And the way we felt we could do that is to say, well, what if the language that you use to creatively describe your desire for music could we interpret that and create essentially a, a translation into a taxonomy for music that was rich enough to bring back results and to bring back enough transparency about those results that you would actually feel like you were in a box of irrelevant stuff, right? And with enough transparency that you could actually use your human filter to decide whether in that box of relevant stuff you want to actually pull that particular one to listen to because your ear time is incredibly valuable. And so when we looked at that end-to-end -end problem, we said, well, boy, we think the technological trends are such that we could go add our own creativity and IP to this idea of actually, you know, a, a new form of search engine, right? One that took natural language, describing a desire for music, and in real time could return results of music. And so that's what we built in terms of natural language music search. And, and that was patented um, uh, late last year. We received a patent for it. So... I want to dig in just a little bit more. So when you say natural language search, what you're saying is instead of having drop downs or tags or <laughs> filters that yep, you're like, right. you know, you're, you're like selecting, <laughs> this is what I'm picturing in my head. Yes, this right. is the emotion right. that evokes. This yes, is the right. scene or this is yeah, the content exactly. marketing storyline, whatever. And how do I match it up with what this filter is so that I could see how things have been tagged? You're literally typing into the search box. Uh, I'm hoping for something that uh, takes place in a quiet, sunny day with da 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 da, da and the, somebody right, talks to right. somebody or whatever. <laughs> and 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 you know what we what we found is that people didn't necessarily want to describe the scene to us because the interpretation of the scene and what music the the, the director or creative director or producer wants to line up with that scene may may actually have juxtaposition that's actually different from the scene you know the content of the scene itself, right? So you know if you've seen some of the great pieces of art, you're actually putting something that you would be would be expected against you know a particular scene but what what is really clear is that they could tell you in really you know sort of creative natural terms what it is they were looking for out of the music and so like you know an example that we show people is that you know you can click one of our visual search blocks because on top of the search engine we built all sorts of metaphors for accessing this type of functionality and one of them is very visual and you know if you click on you know the visual search box that says something like dazzling dance hall the search that runs is um, uh, looking for bouncy, delightful dance hall music for uh, to shake your body at a party or something like that, right? That's a that's a that's a, what I tell people usually is that you you can't really type that anywhere on the web 
and get something useful out of it. Or who or knows least, what you get if you type that on the web, Kurt? Exactly. So yeah, or, or, get, or get the music that you're looking for. Right? <laughs> you know, or, and and the thing is, you can type that into that type of thing into our our system and get something interesting and relevant because we take we take from the vertical understanding that you're looking for music. We say, well, how can we interpret that creative expression of what you desire and 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 understand characteristics that are are you know relevant to that. And what we found is that when you come when you combine that type of creative expression, that sentiment expression, with the ability to also interpret uh, references, so you can also say things like, "I'm looking for thoughtful indie folk like Sufjan Stevens with strings," right? And and when you say something like that, we can actually out of that pick out the fact that, oh, hey, yeah, we recognize that you said an artist. Oh, you recognize you said a sentiment. Oh, you said a genre. Oh, you said an instrument, and you and you wanted to have that. Right. And and bring that bring back for you something that's interpreted all of that interesting data that you gave in that simple sentence fragment. I bet you have a lot of people who just want to go and play with the search. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And, and, you know, we the, the fun thing for us, actually, was that once we got that engine working well, we were able to then say, well, what are the metaphors that allow somebody to iteratively get into this process of being able to express their desires? Mm-hmm. And so then we went super visual with it, right? So, you know, when you go look at our site, there's all this like visuals and copy that like kind of drag, you know, pull you in because you're like, whoa, what's, what's that about? And they all turn into searches. And so that starts to teach you the idea that you can actually express your desire in all these interesting ways. And then we went further. We actually went and said, what if we could take reference? So, you know, remember talking to to um, a producer at an ad agency. And he was like, I'm a film geek. When I start a project, I'm thinking, oh, I really want it to sound kind of like American Beauty. Or I really want it to sound kind of like Lost in Translation. Or I want it to kind of sound like Halo, right? And so then we said, well, you know, if we could actually describe those things in the creative, expressive terms that our engine understands, i.e. just type in the description for it, right, then it could actually then go map, you know, your expression that just says, I want something that feels like Halo, right, to a bunch of really interesting characteristic and bring back that, that back for you. And so that that actually then tick things to another level, right? And so, so the, you know, we, we, think, we still think that there's tons and tons of room for us to continue to innovate here. Um, and so we're really excited. Is it true you have a poet on staff? <laughs> our, our staff is amazing we so we have um uh lots of amazing musicians uh people who write who are you know poets we have um you know uh, across you know all sorts of genres our music so when when we built our music analyst team you know we we felt that you know what we really want is people who were in touch with music and the feeling of music um in in a way that was significant very visceral Right. And so so ultimately what what you end up doing is finding, you know, these amazing uh, you know, musicians and artists and having them participate in that process of, of analysis. Right. So I, I love it. I, I, I think it's it's so much fun to think about how much work went into looking at lyrics and talking about what represents feelings oh, yeah. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and melodically. And we, still, we, still, we still do it today, which is, yeah. which is super fun, right? You know, we'll, we'll sit there and have, you know, super deep debates about, you know, classical music and how you want to, the taxonomy you want around class, which by the way is really hard. The mm. class, you know, doing a good classical taxonomy is one of the things that time and time again, most music systems end up doing a bunch of stuff around mainstream or, or even independent music. And then they go, Oh yeah, classical music. We need to tag that on. It's a whole other species. (laughs) And that's why you sometimes have these specialist services, right. That are just about 
classical music because they know that people want to express things differently there. And so we're going through some of that same evolution ourselves. It's going, okay, you know, did we do did we do enough work around the classical taxonomy? Can we make that better and things like that? You know, um, I'm curious. Are you are you expecting for the 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 search functionality and the engine to be used in other? I mean, this seems way broader than sync. It reminds me of when <laughs> Pandora did their music genome, except that's right, that's right, theirs, yeah. theirs was a lot of acoustical stuff and this lyric-based thing that you have going. Uh, as I'm, I'm sure that yeah, you know, some of the emotions yeah, are also we, melodic and, yeah, and things. Yeah, there, we but. mix. We sort of mix what we think of as sentiment and themes, and you know, uh, you know, of course, a very deep in taxonomy around uh, genre and things like that. So we we have sort of a mix of a lot of different things that that help us be, you know, sort of the the type of high quality engine that we have. Um, but you know, it's funny that you say that. You know, we're we're what we're seeing, especially as we talk about the platform for connecting, you know, sort of. Uh, you know, different use cases into music, we see that as one of the first big expansions of, of it. Because when you think about what the platform provides, is it it provides essentially uh, discovery, secure media access, and, um, you know, a licensing API, a licensing action, micro-licensing, and things like that. And so that's what you pull together to, to kind of say that you have a platform. And so discovery now gets, you know, sort of pushed into more use cases because you want to expose it for, for people to do, in, you know, sort of interesting things that we don't even necessarily do in our marketplace, right? right. And so so that's that's the kind of the first place. We have been asked about this idea of like, okay, what, you know, how do you, couldn't this be used as a consumer? <laughs> you know, right, totally, and on we've a been streaming asked service. Many, many times. And and the thing is, is that, you know, as a startup, we we, we kind of need to retain focus. We think that the, the, the market opportunity that we have ahead of us in the context of music licensing and being an engine for, for connecting people to this great corpus of music for licensing and lots of use cases is huge. And we have to focus on that. And we have this differentiating technology that lets us, you know, sort of wedge into that. Um, we're open to conversations about other uses or, or things like that, but it's just not, you know, it doesn't help us to, to try to do everything. So, so we're, we're like, look, we're going to go focus on the thing that we think we have ahead of, of us. That's big. Well, I do think this this recent emergence in audio is going to create some interesting opportunities here because audio search, you know, using your voice for search, once you have the kind of taxonomy and uh, sentiment analysis and all that stuff that you have that works with natural language, the way that people talk, because natural language is how people talk. And we've mm -hmm. gotten so used to on, on typing with interfaces with tagging yeah, yeah, and yeah. all like drop downs yeah, and all drop that downs, stuff drop downs. <laughs> but you want to just say it just this is what this i'm looking for this is how i feel or whatever so it'll be interesting to see where that goes we got to take one more quick break and when i come back uh i want to ask you a little bit about the sync stores because we touched on it early and i just want to get a little sure. bit of sense of who's using that and so forth we'll be right back we're giving music tectonics listeners the chance to speak up and win a prize every week we pose a big question that you can answer in the music tectonics community app at the end of the month, we'll choose the most awesome answer and send the winner one of my favorite books about music, business, technology, or just life. This month's prize is David and Goliath, Underdogs, Misfits, and the Art of Battling Giants by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay, you ready for this week's big question? When a song in the soundtrack perfectly suits the scene in a movie or TV show, you have sync experts and innovators like Kurt DeBeek to thank. What's your favorite sync placement? A musical track that makes a film, TV show, or ad great, even though it wasn't written for the purpose. Look for the post that goes with this episode in the Music Tectonics community app. We'll tag it with the hashtag TheBigQuestion, and you can put your response in the comments. If you're not a member of the app yet, we'll tell you how to join at the end of this episode. Now, back to the show.
Okay, we're back. And uh, Kurt, like I said, I want to ask you, you have these Shopify-like um, sync stores, you call them. I'm just curious. Tell us a tiny bit more about that uh, aspect of the business. In particular, what are some of the companies that are using the sync store and, and what kind of um, what's emerging from that? Yeah, so, so you know, like I, like I kind of touched on earlier, you know, what we found was that as we built, you know, the platform to enable us to build our own, you know, sort of marketplace applications, um, our partners were also looking for ways to integrate, you know, sort of access to their catalogs and, and, and whether that be at a broad level or at an artist level or at a song level um, or have their artists actually be entry points into licensing for their catalogs and things like that on their own websites. We found that everybody was kind of, you know, having this huge desire to take the metaphors that we'd built and express it, but like locked down to their space as such, right? And so what we found ourselves doing is saying, well, you could use our platform to build that, right? And and we can make it really easy for you to do that. And and when we looked at what the sort of analogous things that were out there, it was just like having, you know, like Shopify enabling people to build, you know, retail stores, digital retail stores, right, on, on their platform. And we said, oh, wow, yeah, we can do something similar to that for our catalog partners. So, so what you have is, is, first and foremost, any catalog partner in our index, automatically gets one of these things and we have different tiers of them and then the ones that that are doing sort of really um sort of deep integration are folks like bodega um uh, bodega is an arm of symphonic distribution and so they have a sync store that's really beautiful and very deeply integrated into their domain etc uh we have tunecorelicensing.com is is another user of, of of sync stores if you go there you'll you'll see the familiar sort of metaphors and interface and things like that um 8dsync.com is another uh, partner that does that type of thing motor music in germany also if you go click on their sync button it takes you to their sync store and um they have some really inter- interesting in- integration that includes you know visual uh, a visual representation of things that they they've synced and so on um and you know so i can i can keep I can keep going. Two Dutch is another partner in Holland mm-hmm. that, that, that does some deep integration there. And, and so, so the, we're fine. They, Everybody's looking to do it. And so some of these companies are they're basically when they're sync opportunities or when people are, whether it's sync or micro sync, are, are looking to license content, they can just direct them there. And it's like a turnkey solution. That's right. They it's don't a have turnkey do... solution for them. They don't have to do a whole bunch. Right. And that's that's what we're trying to enable is that is both on our sort of if you want to think of it as the sell side, so catalog partner side, as well as on the buy side where people are trying to do other kinds of integration or trying to resell, you know, our, you know, the content in some sense to, to others, they, they can build on these metaphors and, and expose it to their clients. Cool. Well, I just have a couple more questions for you before we wrap up here, Kurt. We've talked a bit about this growing interest in sync because of all these new use cases and so forth. Where do you see that going in the next couple of years? Uh, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, I'll kind of reiterate the, the key, the key ones for me, right. You know, um, First, first of all, I see, you know, sort of new media, you know, so podcasting is going to continue to explode. Um, and, and, you know, I think people are going to get be more and more in order to differentiate yourself are going to want high quality music that they can access and license in a straightforward way. And so I see that that being a, a great place of opportunity. Um, I see a lot of what's happening in the content marketing space as, as a, a great opportunity there because companies, large and small, independent, small businesses, larger companies are putting more and more content out there that is essentially walking the, the line of documentary and and uh, and advertising. Right? And, and you're, you're going to find more and more of those things wanting to use great music. Um, and then, you know, sort of this deep integration of music into uh, different kinds of things, like you know, whether it's uh, in social fitness and and so on and so forth. I think those those are going to be you know really really interesting things happening in the next few years. It is crazy to think about all these use cases and how its potential 
the potential there is for growing the monetization of music as a whole. Like if everyone becomes a creator, everybody becomes a music supervisor or a soundtrack maker for podcasts or whatever it is. It could be anything from UGC video content to audio to things we haven't even thought about yet, right? Exactly, exactly. And so instead of people paying their fractions of pennies towards their streaming services, they're actually paying dollars or hundreds or thousands of dollars for one-time use of stuff. Uh, it becomes like a really interesting model for for monetization in the industry. That's right, and we're we're all you know we're in some sense we're all becoming creators, right? Create you know so the creator ecosystem, the creator economy is exploding, and so the more creators there are, the more opportunity there is for creators to use music, and and that means great opportunity for music licensing, and therefore for artists, and and in you know in my view, therefore lots for the independent ecosystem, and we're here to make that happen. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Finally, are there any other music tech companies or trends that you're keeping an eye on? It's just kind of fun for us since we focus on so many different aspects of music and technology and innovation. Love it when we have guests come on just to see. We don't have to talk about anything you're doing. Just something that you're like, oh, this is kind of cool. If I wasn't doing this, I'd be doing that or (laughs) anything come to mind. Well, yeah, sure. You know, I, you know, I, when you look at what's happening, especially in the gaming space and how gaming is becoming this, you know, sort of, um, big part of new media right um and uh and really trying to figure out what that means as gaming goes further into things like augmented reality and goes further into things like virtual reality and so on and what it will mean for us to to have music be a part of that right um i think that that's that's a really really interesting space and so you know when you look at what's happening with companies like you know roblox or or company you know it's it's really really you know a space to watch yeah, definitely. Awesome. Well, great. Kurt, this has been a blast. Thanks for so thanks for taking the time to to talk this through with us and to tell us more about what you're doing. And uh, you know, we've had you at some of our music tectonics events. We'd love to have you back in, in that world as well. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll be at some music industry conferences someday soon and get to hang out together. <laughs> that's right, that's right. Thank you so much for having me on the show, Dimitri, and for working with us. And um, yeah, I'm excited to keep working with you guys and, and doing more events and um, and yeah, I agree. <laughs> hopefully someday be able to sit and have a beer somewhere and and chop it up. Awesome. Thanks again, Kurt. Take care. Hey, thank you for listening to Music Tectonics. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Become a part of the Music Tectonics community, a social network just for music tech aficionados like you. It's free to join. Use it on the web at app.musictectonics.com or find the mobile app for Apple and Android devices in the relevant app stores. Connect with people from all corners of music and tech Answer the big question and meet me there on Together Tuesdays. There's more about the community app, this podcast episode, our annual conference, and our newsletter at musictectonics.com. Peace. You're listening to Music Tectonics.